first lesson from Deuteronomy chapter 30 is at once one of the most memorable, straightforward, and yet maddening in all of Scripture. God has delivered his people Israel from slavery in Egypt, and he's led them through the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula to the eastern bank of the Jordan River. Moses, now an old man, has been the intermediary between God and Israel. He has walked with the people to the edge of the promised land of Canaan and will soon hand the reins of leadership to his lieutenant, Joshua, who will take Israel across the river. In Deuteronomy 30, Moses speaks some of his last words to the people, enough in itself to make them compelling. I said earlier that our first lesson was memorable, straightforward, and maddening all at the same time. Memorable and straightforward, certainly. What could be more so than Moses' simple imperative, choose life. And yet, it's maddening because A, he makes it sound so easy, and B, he links obedience to prosperity in a way that many of us may find just a little too simple. Before we complicate things too much, however, we would do do well to let Moses' simple admonition sink in. Choose life. That life is preferable to death may seem to go without saying. But it doesn't. We need the reminder. Even with all the blessings we enjoy, life can be draining, tedious, and painful. It can seem sometimes meaningless, absurd, and futile. And sometimes we even think, I'd just rather be dead. Like Moses did once. And into the echo chamber of those discouraging thoughts, Moses speaks his good word to us. Choose life. To Israel's complaints and ours, God, through Moses, says, choose life. To our cynical minds that say, look, I'm going to mess up. I may be beyond redemption. So why should I strive to obey? God says, choose life. Those simple words remind us that yes, the world is fallen, but hope remains. When we're wondering whether life is worth the trouble, Moses resolves our quandary with his straightforward, choose life. He doesn't give us a proof. He doesn't make an argument. He makes an announcement. Choose life. It's a choice that we're presented with daily. So we need to keep on choosing life. It's not something we just do once. As Moses told Israel, choosing life is not just a matter of deciding to stay alive or against suicide, for example. 
It's a matter of embracing God, the giver of life and his ways, of remembering that we are his, of saying with Mary, the mother of Jesus, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now we cannot by our own power choose to be delivered from sin and death and reconciled to God. That decision belongs to God. We cannot choose to obey all the commandments and be successful, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I thought it was funny in the psalm to hear, blessed are they who never do any wrong, and I'm like, who is that? It's not me. But having been baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus, who was that man, we can be confident that God who chose us has raised also in us a new man, Christ in us, and has filled us with the Holy Spirit that we may walk in newness of life. If you're listening and aren't baptized, choose life by coming to talk to me about it. And those of us who are baptized, of course, realize with the Apostle Paul, writing in Romans chapter 7, that the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is not the only Spirit inspiring us. The defeated old Adam in us still runs after unholy spirits of all descriptions, happy to join them like a child following the Pied Piper on the road to perdition. The old Adam in us doesn't want to cross the Jordan but to remain instead comfortably ensconced in Moab, back on that east bank, and to leave the promised land to the seriously religious, the ambitious, the do-gooder types. The old Adam in us rolls his eyes at the idea that we ought to be somewhere or something that we aren't already. He doesn't want us to be God's field or God's building, in the words of the Apostle Paul. He wants God to leave him alone. He wants to nurse his grudges. He hates forgiveness because he wants to stay angry. He wants to form one-way relationships with people so he can exploit them without commitment and yet retain a veneer of respectability. I haven't done anything wrong. That's the old Adam. The old Adam in us wants to be his own God, despite the fact that he is unable to meet his own standards, to justify his own existence. Moses' choose life is a powerful command, resonant with the Holy Spirit in us, that daily directs us away from sin and death, where the old Adam wants to go, and instead toward Jesus, toward our neighbor, and toward life. If you're like me, we often worry about choices that we've made in the past, whether they were God's will or whether we should have done something else. 
We get anxious about how our choices will affect our future. But Choose Life focuses us on the present. It doesn't ignore or deny the past, but it's not captive to the past. It brings the future into the present, reminding us that the best thing we can do for the future is to choose life now. Loving the Lord, obeying Him, holding fast to Him as He holds fast to us. Now, we can't do that ourselves any better than we can keep Jesus' commandments in His Sermon on the Mount. Wow, talk about upping the ampty going over the top, making life and obedience seem impossible. But God has not left us alone simply to do the best that we can. The Holy Spirit is alive in us. We can begin each day with a simple prayer, acknowledging that, confessing our inadequacy, thanking God for His forgiveness, and asking for gifts of wisdom, courage, and strength to face the day ahead, to strive for what is good, to live the life that really is life in obedience to God. I said at the beginning that hearing Moses say, choose life, can be maddening, especially with its implication that with obedience comes prosperity. Because, of course, that's not always true in a conventional sense. Moses knew that. His own obedience to God caused him no end of suffering. It should also be said that obedience to God's law can keep us out of a lot of trouble. The book of Proverbs is a testimony to that. It isn't easy to always know what choosing life means in a specific situation. Ethics can help. Of course, we can do better than merely flipping a coin. But we're not God. We're limited creatures, and we can't control most of what happens in the world. The good news is that God has not given us that responsibility, and neither has he left us with nothing to do. In baptism, God has called us his own. We are his field, his building, and as his servants working together, we have choices. We can make them prayerfully, prayerfully, informedly, and confidently, knowing that the results are in God's hands. Thanks be to God, who came to us in Jesus Christ, so that we might have life and have it abundantly.